I'm Jordan Goodman. And I'm Justin Goodman. We're third-generation insurance agency owners and also brothers. Even though we had the same upbringing, we see the world very differently. This caused significant issues in our early years, but we eventually embraced the idea that every coin needs two sides to be complete. In 2018, we launched our second company, Total CSR, with the aim of reducing new-to-industry onboarding timeframes from two years to two months. Since then, we've traveled the country speaking to thousands of agency owners and their teams, and we've come to realize two things. We all struggle with similar challenges, regardless of size and location, and oftentimes, we are too embarrassed to ask for help. The Independent Agent Podcast is our attempt to provide helpful answers to your most difficult questions, anonymously, of course. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to episode 39. It's my age. It is your, gosh, you're getting old. I am. You're going to be 40. 40. Yeah. Yeah. Time for some Botox. We should do Botox. I just need lipo. I just want someone to stick a hose in me and just suck up, man. And you could donate it to people in need. Like... Like, Skinny people? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like people who wanted to fill in certain areas. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I bet yours <laughs> is a high quality that <laughs> the doctor's offices would want. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> I just don't even know how. What are uh, we drinking? We are drinking an expat, as in... Someone who's left the country. As in, if we want to leave the People's Republic of California, as yeah. it keeps going as this it, way. As, as Justin keeps saying, he's moving to Texas. So we'll see if that ever happens. Land of the free. Yeah, I mean, if you move to Texas and then Texas secedes, like <laughs> they've said they're going to do for, I don't know, every election cycle ever, then you will be an expat. All right. And so what's it made out of? It's two parts. Well, I guess it's two ounces of bourbon. It's got mint in there, a splash of lime. I'm trying to remember what I made. Lots of mint these days. Yeah, well, I had all that mint for, left over that from a couple of weeks ago. What what else is in this thing? Hold on, give me a second. I was gonna drink it. Oh, and then yeah, Angostura bitters. All right, twenty bucks. Is Justin hates it. No. No. It's got a little sour in it. Yeah, I swear some of these drinks taste the exact same. It's like. Just brand all variations of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's good, though. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. All right. First question. Our agency has decided to keep employees working remote until January 2021. That's just a long time. I lead a small team and everyone is... Six months from now. Yes. I lead a small team and everyone was handling work and connecting virtually for the first few months. But I'm now seeing a decline in morale and quality of work. No crap. Given that we've got a few more months of this, how do I pull my team together and get everyone back on track? This is five months, not six months. I don't know. I mean, other than, well, I've heard some things from other companies that they start doing happy hours with the teams, Zoom happy hours where they're once a week, call it a Friday or whatever. Everyone goes, gets some drinks, sits there and, and hangs out for a couple hours and just talks about all kinds of things 
I don't know how well that would work with our agency, but I've heard that successful. In terms of quality of work, the accountability thing for us now, we only went remote for two and a half months, three months, Mm -hmm. something like that. We didn't really see a decline, but that was the first time around. And we were doing daily check-in Zoom meetings, you know, of 15 minutes. I think we've talked about that in some of our other episodes. So how do I pull my team back together? I, I think I, I think it's a tough one. I really do. I think you need to go back and have individual conversations with everyone and see where they're struggling, where you can help them, how they're doing personally. I mean, if you're still at home, I think some people will enjoy that. Most people probably don't. I think there is a lack of cohesiveness and teamwork and energy that that just goes. It just can't happen outside of a collaborative work environment. Justin, you can start saying some things. I'll, I'll think on it. I don't have a ton to offer right now. Well, a benefit would be that depending what state they're in, if you've decided this, the kids are staying home anyway. And so now they don't need to figure out childcare because they're it versus if you required them to be back to the office and their kids were now having to be at home. So you may be in that situation. There's a certain group of individuals out there who think this might resolve itself after an election. And I'm not going to say which ones of us feel that way, but you say that. And now they're going to think that's me. <laughs> I know. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> but in general, I think you have to, to check in daily. I think they need the human contact. And if, and if it's just texting or a inner office chat or using Slack, whatever you're, you're happening to utilize, I don't think that's enough. I think they need that time on the phone. And I think ultimately there are people that do well in that and those people will do fine. But for everybody else, you're going to have to put even more effort into being engaged with them and actually taking interest in what's going on from a morale standpoint. What's the impact on their family? What additional challenges and burdens are now on their plate, given whatever the government and their state decides to do with regard to schooling or otherwise? And the long-term psychological effect of being on your own without the community at large. So it's daily proactiveness. It's actually setting aside some of your own burdens to make sure that you have time and energy to go and invest in people. I mean, this would be a great time. I'm I'm not a proponent of middle management, but if there was ever a time that worked out well, I would have a middle manager who sounds like it's you checking in with these individuals daily, making sure that you're asking about personal and not just professional, making sure that you're asking what additional resources they need, both personally and professionally. And then as, as Jordan mentioned, Zoom happy hours, but also individuals on the team, depending if you guys all live reasonably close, you might schedule non-work optional beach outings that people attend. Again, that probably shouldn't come from somebody in management position, but you should consider that because I, I can tell you that the, the psychological damage that isolation causes will far outweigh the impact of you guys if you decide to sit around a campfire six feet apart outside. And so you just have to be very proactive and very intentional with all your actions and then very empathetic to the fact that everyone's going to view this differently. It's going to be in a different place. And if at all possible, 
make sure that no political debates are happening amongst team members because this is as polarizing as any issue I can think of of our time. Yeah, and I think also things like get creative with can you allow them flexibility in their work hours? Specifically to go, hey, if they're a non-customer service that they need to be there to respond, hey, if you wake up early every day and you want to get your work done from 6 to 2, and then have your afternoons off, let that bring them some like, hey, I have some ownership over my life right now. Or maybe they want to sleep in and they want to work 11 to 8 or whatever. Just say, hey, I trust you to get your work done. Let's do this. Or maybe it's, hey, you like to go have some activities in the middle of the day with your kids and take them out to the park and go do it. So go take two or three hours in the middle of the day to go do that. Some kind of flexibility where they still have some semblance of control where they're like, okay, this is not just work from home. This is work from home, but I have flexibility and freedom because of it. You know, it might just change it up if you can do that at all. But I have one question. What time is your audition today? My audition? Yeah, for Greece. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just, your cigarette, you're going to roll it up in that in your sleeve. <laughs> I mean... It's what is white, happening? <laughs> it's a white t-shirt. <laughs> with blue jeans. Have you never worn a white t-shirt with blue jeans? Uh, yeah, maybe under a button now. I mean, it's plain white. It's like a plain white t-shirt. It's You've what never, they wore in the 50s and 60s. And every day on the street I see somebody in a white t-shirt. Maybe not jeans. No. Wearing what you're wearing right now, it's very rare. I'm rare. Maybe 50 years ago it was more common. Are you saying I'm exceptional? No, that didn't even come to mind. Just what, what how, wh where did you get that from? Rare. Rare? Mm -hmm. I use my It own. would be rare to find a piece of poop sitting on this table, but would that be exceptional? I think I look good in this. Okay. You can read the question. Over the years, we have brought agents in with a variety of different compensation structures. Between sliding base pay and adjustments to commission on new and renewal, we've got onwards or upwards of... Onwards and upwards. <laughs> upwards of 20 you different... You can read good. I read very good. We've got upwards of 20 different agreements over 35 agents. Keeping all of them straight is a nightmare for accounting, managers, and anyone who enters commissions into the system. How do we remove these individual agreements and create more consistency? Is there a pay structure fee that works best for new and renewal, for new and seasoned agents? I think it's tough to put the toothpaste back in the tube and especially depending upon the niche they're in if i'm a person who insures contractors like with our agency and i have a labor intensive team that's servicing all day long that's different than somebody who has 14 accounts that are all large that tend to stay with the same carrier and there's not servicing needs on the regular, you can't treat those the same because a competitor is going to come and say, hey, buddy, you've got 14 accounts and they're only paying you 25-20 split. And in reality, we know they're super profitable on you and far less profitable on others. And so you should start looking at these other options. So I think trying to do it after the fact is difficult. You may be able to do it in some departments versus others, but then book size comes into consideration and how valuable and how tenured that employee is. 
plus their ability to transport that book, depending if you're in a state where there's non-competes that are enforceable or not. Yeah, I just, I think in general, it's always best to have a set standard for everybody on a go-forward basis, new that comes in, but it's very difficult, especially when it's so tough to get new talent with a book of business to come to your agency. It's very easy to lose it if you get dogmatic about comp structures and trying to simplify it for yourself versus what is in the ultimate benefit of a producer. I just think that you might need some better technology. I don't think this is... When you say that keeping them straight is a nightmare for accounting managers and anyone else entering the commission info into the system, it just might be time to upgrade your agency management system. Because our producers here are the same splits. So it's, I guess, easy for us. But it's not like the account managers are entering in how much commission they make. That is automated by their name in the system. So when they say it is, for instance, Jordan's business, it's 10%. under Jordan. Yeah, Jordan's is 10%, Justin's 70%. It just, it's assigned to their name. And they can do Jordan New or Jordan Renewal. And that determines the whole commission structure. So account managers don't even see that data. That just gets transposed to different accounting reports. Mm-hmm. All they click is who's the account manager, whether it's new or renewal. So I don't know why that's difficult for you, but it sounds like it's just a software issue. I also get the idea. I love having everything uniform. Everyone do things the exact same way. Sometimes, probably more than sometimes, that's not the best way to do things. There's just some circumstances where like Justin said, for a variety of different reasons, whether it's profitability, et cetera. But my OCD likes everyone to be treated exactly the same, do things the same way. But having two very different children has taught me that parenting them identically is not necessarily the best way to go about it. For instance, when we were growing up, Justin. I'd love to see where this is going. Justin just stayed home with my parents on the weekends. That wouldn't have worked for me. They realized that I liked to talk to people. Just because I liked watching 80s movies on a Saturday night. Yeah. (laughs) While I had several friends come over and we'd... (laughs) My high school life was a bit different. Actually, it's pretty dry compared to my same life. Life hasn't gotten any more exciting. But I'd be home on a Saturday night as like a, a teenager, late teens... And Jordan would have four girls in the backyard in a jacuzzi while I'm watching 16 Candles and having popcorn. (laughs) Hate is going to hate. So, But they said I was a nice guy. That's what the girls said in high school. Yeah, I'm sure you were a nice guy. You were probably a scholar and a gentleman. This is true. We've, we've, We've left this question pretty far. Uh, is there a pay structure you feel works best for new and seasoned agents? Depends on the amount of servicing work that yeah. you have to do. Yeah, but I would say if you're going to bring in someone who's like if someone's coming to your agency from another agency and they're actually able to bring a significant book over, you can probably pay them higher splits because they didn't utilize your resources to generate that business, right? So you can pay them, particularly on the renewal. For instance, if someone's 50 or 60 and they've, just 
hammered out their life for 30 years, they're probably not going to want to be super aggressive anymore. And so if you pay them a higher new than renewal split, you might not get them to come. You might just have to say, hey, we'll pay you, I don't know, 40, 40 or something like that. Whereas you might want to pay someone new in the business 40, 20 or 40, 25 or whatever the numbers are, because you really want them to be hunting after the new stuff. So yeah, I would say that's what I would say about the pay structure in general. Yeah, and the more services you're offering and the more your team does on the backside, the less you should be paying that producer on that renewal. And I think that's often a mistake that's made is we pay the producer the same thing new and renewal, and yet their workload drastically goes down and the renewal is focused so much more on the efforts of an account manager. I would rather pay more on that first year to the producer because, hey, it's tough to hunt the business and get it, but less on the renewal because they're, they're less involved in that process. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Well, friends, it's that time of the episode. We bid thee farewell. Go Grease Lightning. <laughs> 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 Goodbye.